Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home, a podcast memoir by M.K. Lott. Chapter 19 The Art of Embezzlement. I was originally going to split this up over the course of multiple episodes, but as I was brainstorming the remaining two or three episodes I had, I realized I needed a sense of closure that had to occur faster than that since I was dwelling on the past a little too long. So this is my attempt to wrap up a story that I've been focused on for just too long, and I'll explain why that's the case, which also might explain the fact that the runtime might be three times longer than normal, but just bear with me. There was a lot that happened in the furniture store that hell could be longer of a miniseries on this podcast in and of itself. But two events specifically come to mind that are important to know for this story. The first event would be the flood. Utah was battling a cold front all that winter, even potentially doubling the length of the season, according to some. And I say battling because that's exactly what we were doing at the store. To the best of our knowledge, the cold front had actually gotten so severe that a fireline pipe in front of the store burst, and some of the main floor was flooded, while our basement warehouse was, in some spots, knee-deep in secondary water. And of course, this happened on Sunday, our one day off for the week. I drove over as soon as I could to help the Christian and the resident open doors and squeegee whatever water we could out of the building that was pouring in so fast it actually ripped some of the doors off their hinges. While the consultant, careful not to get his ombre running shoes ruined, took pictures and videos for the insurance company. He left shortly after while I was there for essentially a full day. The next time I saw him, we walked through the mud and ruined upholstery where my new duties, from then until the end of my time at the furniture store, was to keep track of everything that touched water in order to get reimbursed by the insurance company. Plus, everything else, of course. After keeping track of everything that water touched and referring to all of our vendors what the original prices were that we paid, there was about three to $700,000 in water damage. And that was just one part of the store. When the boss and I combined our numbers, I believe we were projected to be at about 1.2 million. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but they were high. They were very, very high. The consultant asked me if I was there as long as my boss and her family were the day of the burst. They had been there since three in the morning. But I told him I left a few hours after I showed up, simply because it was my off day. Oh, so you were selfish too, he joked, referring to his own eagerness to leave, not even touching the water. Oh yeah, I remarked, looking back at the fact that I was almost thigh deep in water. Just two hours less than you were. He stopped talking after that. The second event that comes to mind is the conference. Now, I'm very much into the spiritual, energy healing, quantum physics school of thought, and while I'm no longer religious, I would say that's the closest thing I have right now to some kind of faith. And for Christmas, my grandmother had bought me a VIP pass to an energy healing conference that was not only in town, but was a five minute drive away from where I lived. 
I told my boss I was going to be gone just for the day, and she gave me the green light and everything I needed to do to inform people that I was going to be out for the day. Done and done. And the day of the conference, it was either 11 or noon, and while I was watching someone give their pitch to a sales platform for hypnotherapists and holistic practitioners specifically, my phone blew up. And when I mean blow up, I mean the consultant and the Christian were both calling and texting me over and over and over again. And even though my phone was on silent, I was so frustrated and so embarrassed that I had to excuse myself, step out, and text everyone that I was gone and clearly the boss didn't say anything. That was later confirmed when I had gotten a passive-aggressive text from her informing me that I needed to be better at answering the phone. The Christian, being a Christian, had responded, Okay man, I just want to make sure you're okay, it's weird not having you here. The consultant, on the other hand, had a different response. You're lucky you texted. I was almost at your house. Most people that I told this story to assured me that it was nothing to worry about and he was probably joking. The Christian had said he was just concerned because I always show up and I always show up on time, which was true. But knowing the consultant, he wouldn't lie about something that gave him power in a situation. And the day after he was fired, I went into the store's computer and looked up the search history from the day of the conference. Sure enough, at 11.26, I think was the time, he had gone into my boss's email, searched MKW4, and found my street address. I was told not to worry about it because he did it out of a place of concern, but that was a line that I felt like you just don't cross. A violation of privacy, essentially. In a crazier world, it was almost like if his kid was being bullied, he wouldn't teach his kid how to stand up for themselves, he would just kill the bully. I feel like that was a more radical version of it, but that's kind of how it felt in the moment when I found that out. And I was on even more high alert around the consultant than normal, which was saying something. It was honestly weird before everything went down for a slew of reasons. Firstly, I had put in my two weeks notice three days prior. After applying for job after job after job for months, even dealing with a job scam that caused the bank I had accounts with to suspend everything I had for suspicious activity, I had finally landed a true sales job working for a marketing agency in town. That Sunday night, I texted my boss and she had responded with the typical template you'd expect from a situation like that. Thank you for letting me know. If you'd like to come back, I'll consider it. Suffice it to say, I already had my mind made up. And I was ready for something of a fight. A little bit after the flood, the consultant and I were talking in what ultimately became the Black Friday section because the boss had bought an abandoned container of furniture with no room for any of it in the hopes that we could sell it for a discounted price. What that turned into was demolishing that part of the building, opening up a space for people to access it, and unloading two freight trucks worth of furniture into the new space. And aside from a few chairs, nothing was sold, and the wood began to warp to reveal the plywood underneath. 
The vendor's representative solved this, of course, with a black sharpie. So we were in this area, talking about the current climate of the store. He asked me if I was there when he and the boss were talking downstairs just a few hours prior. I replied no, and he decided to fill me in. So I'll be upfront with you. The boss was asking me if it was worth keeping you around, he said. And I told her, look, is MK the best salesman in the world? Probably not. But he has strengths you don't utilize, like being able to run the systems and the numbers. And all I could think was, well, perfect timing, because it won't matter in two weeks. That was the attitude I was prepping for from her. But instead, when I saw her again, I saw a defeated look in her eyes, like she had been lied to. To be honest, it caught me off guard. She asked what she could have done differently, but to my surprise now, I didn't say anything. Honestly, because she was not the kind of person I felt would listen. If you had a conversation with her, and she asked you a question, you would answer, she would interrupt, and she would keep talking as if you never said a word. This was my usual interaction with her, and everybody's interaction with her, even her kids. But then she wondered if I was leaving because of the influence of the consultant, which was also true. But more in the sense of she hired him and I didn't trust her to lead the team. In fact, I remember her saying that this was something that was not a priority to her. Her kids were. And that's understandable. That's admirable, even. But then she said, if I have to close the store down, I will. Which is not something you tell an employee, especially an employee who's debating about quitting, which at the time I was. Because when you run a business, it's no longer a hobby. Now it's a way of living for people and people's kids. And in a lot of ways, I think that's one of, if not the most irresponsible thing a business owner could say to an employee. But I digress. And this was a lot deeper than I was prepared for. It may be no surprise, but tensions had gotten worse and worse between the boss and the consultant. The consultant had done originally what he was hired to do, which was marketing, ads, and trading the sales team, the Iranian woman, and myself. But over time, once she was asking him to do things that he was not hired for, like me, he took a very different approach than I did. He started hiding from her so he could do his job. He made jokes about how she did things, and he started treating the store like it was his own. For some extra help, he hired people he frequently spent time with and knew in his network. Starting with a drug dealer who happened to father the consultant's niece's son, I think? And that drug dealer's regular customer. Which worked for a time. They were hired for the heavy lifting while I was able to do just sales. Then they found out I made more money than they did according to them, sitting on my ass all day, and they would just quit in the middle of the day or show up drunk and refuse to work unless they got paid the same amount that I did. 
Hell, the drug dealer even tried to convince the boss to replace me with him. Which never happened, obviously, thankfully. And when the flood happened, the consultant hired even more people while the boss went on a nine-day cruise. And to be frank, it was actually the most organized time the store had ever been. The consultant became something of the boss, while the Christian and I became second in command. The Christian was in charge of the basement, and I was in charge of the ground floor, making sure everything was reorganized and the business went smoothly. In fact, we had done so well, the consultant gave both of us bonuses. I hadn't gotten a bonus since my entrepreneurship job in college, and what was even more rewarding was the fact that the consultant had told me he didn't have to worry about the store because no matter what, he knew I could always take care of things. And it finally felt like, even though we had no liking for each other, let's say, at least we found some common ground. And then the boss came back. She was furious that we had worked on the basement instead of dehumidifying the furniture, which ultimately became moldy, and all the work and organization we had put in was completely undone two hours after she came back in order to put things back the way they were. The consultant almost took it as a challenge to teach her what it means to run a business, telling me that he wanted me and him to be so good at selling furniture that without us, the store would plummet. A little odd to hear that from someone who's supposed to be on the boss's side. He also made it kind of clear that we worked well as a team, he worked well by himself, and I was horrible at sales without him. All that to say, the narrative became, if it wasn't for him, the store would be nothing. And he flaunted it when he could. At this point, that's not a surprise. The most obvious time was when we were all sitting at the desk and he had said, is she behind me? Actually, you know what, I don't care if she's behind me. This bitch is crazy. He advertised himself as the guy who came in to save stores like this, and this was one of his hardest jobs. And then I heard the boss's side of the story. She said she gave the consultant very specific instructions before she left for the cruise she had planned with her husband and eight kids months in advance. Namely, to dehumidify whatever we could salvage and continue demolition and construction afterwards. And she came back to find nothing that she had asked done. And apparently, the consultant did not tell her that he had hired people, and there were now random strangers popping up every day demanding to get paid for all their hard work that the consultant had promised. The ballpark number that he had told me that the boss was too stingy to give up was $18,000 in hourly wages over the span of a week and a half. Then, he would sell things without ringing up an invoice and taking the delivery trucks longer than usual. For example, he had told everyone that he was going to meet a customer in Lehigh about an hour away to move a table into their truck so they could drive it home to St. George. He came back the next day boasting that he instead drove all the way to their home in St. George, changing the trip from an hour to almost three and then drove even further south to Mesquite, Nevada, now in a different state, and gambled until he made money, pocketing $700. After everything I had heard, 
I ultimately sided with the boss, since everything about the consultant felt in character. Not to say that the things about the boss didn't feel in character for her, but the consultant even more so. And before I left to see my therapist, which I was very grateful that I made that investment, I turned around and asked her, just so we're on the same page, did you tell the consultant that you were debating about keeping me? She shook her head with a scoff. No, I've said nothing but good things about you. I drove off to my therapist's office, feeling like even though I was making the best decision I had made since I started that job, it still felt like the consultant still got what he wanted. Tricking me into believing that I wasn't good enough and leaving, presumably to be replaced by somebody hand-picked by the consultant. Now, let's talk about the day he got fired. It was a very quiet day. No one came in, and I was alone at the front desk looking through the inventory. Then, the store phone rang, and I picked it up with the usual script of, you know, hello, blah 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 blah. On the other line was the consultant's fiancé, who was one of the higher-ups in one of the local hospitals, telling me that the consultant wasn't able to come in that day because he had migraines so bad she had to take care of him, and I was going to be on my own for the most part. This was honestly nothing new. The consultant, funny enough, always had a way of getting injured in some way, shape, or form. I had watched him crack a piece of his elbow off when he tried to cut a piece of the balcony down with a chainsaw. He always had really terrible migraines that at one point I think required either an MRI or a CAT scan, and he had run into a rusty pipe that cut his nose open, gushing out blood on both sides of his face. When his fiancée was put on a speaker during then, she asked what he needed and he snapped, I need you to shut the fuck up and leave me alone. Okay, honey. I remember her saying meekly. So it was really nice not having him around. Since I put in my two weeks, actually, I never saw him. This was the entire day until I got a call from him directly at about one. Hey, I've been talking to this couple who were supposed to come in to check out some furniture, he explained. They got his phone number through the Google ads that he was running on the side. He would put his contact information up there so that way we had immediate connections with people who were interested. I told them $1,700 for this outdoor furniture set. I want you to go $1,900 and then $300 on this table. And there was another piece of furniture, but I can't remember what it was or how much he told me. But I do remember that he told me to expect them between 4 and 4.30. I said, okay, no problem. I'll make sure I'm available. 4 to 4.30 goes by. Not a single soul walked through the store. I didn't think much of it. Life happens, and I'm sure they got busy or they forgot. It happens. A few minutes later, the boss came up and went through the mail while I continued to work on the inventory. Huh, she said, and pulled out a yellow envelope. This is not for us. And she was right. It was for the neighboring credit union. MK, are you able to walk over there and drop this off? It's just across the street. I said yes, not having anything on my plate anymore, and I walked over to deliver a check to them just ten minutes before they closed. Nick of time.
And I came back in the nick of time to find the boss talking to a woman carrying three screaming and or crying kids. This was the woman that the consultant was talking about. And it was oddly irritating on the boss's end to see her get discarded as she was. Yeah, that's fine, the mother would keep saying, but I'm supposed to talk to a guy named MK. Are, are you MK? Yes, yes I am, I said. And I led her and her kids down to the basement, which was still in the process of being dehumidified and cleaned out and all that jazz, to show her the outdoor furniture, which was still boxed up, but miraculously untouched by the water. And the table they were looking at was just on the other side of the basement. When she told me that they brought their truck so they could carry everything out, I figured this was actually one less hassle to worry about because now we didn't have to schedule deliveries or have to deal with the manpower or making sure that the delivery guys were even in the store. So I said, you know what? This is light enough that I can carry it up. If you want to process the transaction upstairs, I can bring this up so you don't have to worry about it and we can basically just hit two birds with one stone. She loved the idea, took the kids upstairs, and I dragged the furniture up to the top on my own. Finally, I got up to the ground floor and was halted by my boss who said, you're gonna to wanna to put that on pause for a second. Okay, I said, unsure of what she was implying. The boss had something that I would describe as a gotcha smile, which I'm pretty sure you already have an idea of what that is. And the mother was looking at me like she was in trouble. Did he tell them that this was $1,700? Yeah, why? I asked. She then turned the monitor around. Because this is the actual price. The real price for the alleged $1,700 outdoor furniture set was $4,500. If we had actually sold this to them, we would have lost $200. Well, let's talk to him, the mother said shakily. He's the owner, right? No, the boss said. I am. We waited until the husband came, who was the CFO of a massive beverage company in Utah, which, why he let this happen for as long as he did, I'll never know. And we ultimately heard their side of the story. Apparently, they came into the store a few days prior, in fact, the day before I put in my two weeks, and met the consultant in person. The consultant had told them that he was the owner, that there was a flood, and he would give them a discount on the outdoor furniture set because it was water damaged but somehow still in the box. And to make it even easier and avoid sales tax, they could just Venmo him personally. For everybody doing crime bingo at home, that's embezzlement. And that's about when the consultant started calling me. Because she didn't see the harm in it, the boss told me to pick up. Hey, what's happening? The consultant asked. Did it go through? Uh, n n well, n no, I stammered. I, I, th I think there's been a misunderstanding. What the fuck do you mean there's been a misunderstanding? He sneered. I told you exactly what to say. Yeah, I know, but the boss got a hold of them first. Why did the boss get a hold of them first? And he somehow managed to overhear their conversation through my phone and said just before hanging up, all right, let me call him. I informed everybody of the news and the CFO said, good. In fact, I'll call him myself. Hey, isn't that his truck? 
We all turned around to see the consultant's black Silverado pulling up to the front door. Which was odd timing, seeing that he had told us he lived in Park City, at least 45 minutes away with no traffic. He bolted through the door looking for the couple. Surprisingly, he was indeed pale from the migraines, so at least he was telling the truth about that. The CFO pointed his finger at him and forced an angry smile. You've got a lot of explaining to do, he said. All right, look, the consultant began. Was there a misunderstanding? Yes, but look at me. I'm sick, I'm dizzy, I'm here for you guys. He then pulled out his phone and raised his voice. I just wish one of you would have called me so we could have figured this out. The CFO started to lose his temper, telling him not to drag him into this. The boss then asked him, Did you tell these people you were the owner and to Venmo you? The consultant shot his head back as if insulted. What are you talking about? I never said that. I watched the whole thing slack-jawed and just thinking to myself, I don't believe it. We actually caught him. The CFO then grabbed one of his crying kids and said, You know what? You two figure out who the owner is. We're not interested in it anymore. Just before they left, the boss turned around and said, Oh, if you still want, I'll honor the 300 for the table. The CFO put his hand out to shut her up. We're going to keep looking. Then it was just us three. I figured I would stay for witness but the boss called him out for everything, including something I didn't know, which was writing checks in her name, something that not even her husband had the privilege of doing. The consultant pulled up a text from her confirming that he had permission on December 22nd at 2.32 p.m., which he did, to write checks, not forge her signature. With her hands in the pockets of her cardigan, the boss shrugged her shoulders. Look, I'm done, she said. Things have been really suspicious and none of your stories have been adding up, so I'm done. You're a 1099 and while I appreciate the work you've done, you're no longer needed here. Now please go, I'm late for a family dinner. The consultant went from pale to red as his muscles started to fill with blood. Okay, how do you want to do this? Because nothing you said will hold up in court. As they continued their argument, which I had found out, lasted 45 minutes after I left, a sudden truth shot through me and the entire world turned into a blurry muffle of sound as I remembered all the times he was able to pick me up effortlessly with one arm and I heard my voice echo through my mind. Oh my God, he knows where I live. I suddenly realized that if I was there before the boss, this would have never happened, and I would bet good money the consultant was going to blame me for all of it. And somehow, the boss's voice broke through the muffle, and it was probably the best thing I had ever heard her say. Look, MK doesn't need to be here for this. And without hesitation, I walked out, got in my car, and drove off. But I didn't go home. Instead, I went to a public area, my favorite coffee shop in town, and I texted two people, Doug and my mother. I wasn't expecting immediate help, 
The plan was to start a paper trail and make the people I trust most aware in case something had happened. In between her sessions, my mom called me and asked me to tell me everything. And I did. And once I was done, she was quiet and then responded with, Wow. We went through the worst case scenarios, bringing to life what would actually happen if they happened. And as we started talking about this, more specifically, my worries that he was going to find me and just beat the shit out of me, the consultant's name crawled down from the top of my phone screen with the option to hang up or pick up. Uh, Mom, I said terrified, he's calling me right now. Don't pick up, she said calmly. She told me to leave it alone, and if he continued after a day, to warn him to stop reaching out. If that didn't work, I would have a case for harassment. He tried to call and text me until about 11 o'clock that night. Starting that next morning, I never heard from him again. The morning after, when I went back into work, the boss had something really important, according to her, to show me. She had googled the consultant's name, and the first thing that came up was his profile on the Utah Domestic Violence Registry, specifically for one case of assault and two cases of commission of domestic violence in the presence of a child, which, according to my research, is a third-degree felony in the state of Utah. And all she said about it was, I probably should have done this before I hired him. The last few days I worked there, my job task switched one last time. This time, it was to collect all the evidence against him that he was committing fraud. We weren't able to confirm with the couple that night that it was his personal Venmo account, so I went through all of the invoices and all the customers that we knew about who worked exclusively with him and asked how they paid for their furniture. And it was about four months of customers. Most that I had found paid either through the store's POS system or the loan system that we used. If someone used check, I told them to cancel it immediately. And if they used cash, which some did, we were shit out of luck. Hell, one customer came in furious because he had tried to move a couch into their home and wedged the couch through the door frame with a crowbar. But there was one customer who came in after I emailed them the first one I knew of that the consultant worked with that had the exact same story as the couple that came in. And in addition to that, they actually took a screenshot when it happened and confirmed that they sent $1,600 half up front to his personal Venmo account. And we finally had evidence to give to the police that he was committing fraud. You know, I guess he was right. My true strength was working with the systems and the numbers, which is probably why he tried to get a hold of me. A few days later, I started my new job and never looked back. Now, the reason I told this story isn't because we caught him. It's because I was angry. 
I was angry for months afterwards. Hell, I'm still angry. I was furious I worked for someone who lied about commission and insurance and the job itself, and who would hire somebody who had taken such a liking to abusing and manipulating the people around him. I hated being lied to, and I took it very personally, especially when my health and well-being were at stake. And I would have these nasty daydreams. Daydreams of me just beating the shit out of him over and over again in different ways to teach him a lesson. To be frank, it terrified me. I don't have thoughts like this. So I went to talk to someone about it, and I discovered something that surprised me, that I didn't know about it sooner, that I actually want to start implementing into my own hypnotherapy practice. It's a state of mind called cognitive distortion. This is basically when your brain warps or distorts your thinking and your reasoning. A really good example of this is something called black and white thinking, where things are either one way or another. To put it another way, everything is in either black or white. In the case of these daydreams of me going after the consultant, I had noticed that I was always the aggravator. That's the thing that scared me. I was the one throwing the first punch. So I thought, why is that? Is, that? is it just because I'm frustrated, because I'm angry, because of all of the experiences that led up to it? And after days, if not weeks, of contemplating on this and going through cognitive distortion exercises, I realized it was a kind of self-defense. It was my brain saying, you need to hurt him before he hurts you. Because that's what's going to inevitably happen. There's that black and white thinking. And that came out in a lot of different ways. Not just those. Every time I read or heard his name, or saw a white Mercedes or a black truck, my stomach would drop. And I was ready to run. And for those curious, he never came to the house. I would consider that was because I lived two minutes away from the police station. So if he tried something, he was not going to get far. And in the case that he thought he could make a break for it, <laughs> it's going to make my neighborhood sound shady, but there are cop cars up and down the street all the time. So not only is the station right there, but there are a lot of officers very mobile in that area. But after combining cognitive distortions with NLP, which I've talked about in a previous episode last year, I began to understand why hypnotherapists never use the word cure in their practice. Because I didn't cure those thoughts. I didn't cure my fear of him. I didn't cure my anger. And depending on your stance on this, I didn't cure the traumatic feelings I got from this. I learned to distance myself from them and recognize that they are exaggerations of things that aren't happening. And suddenly, learning to be present and almost out-logic yourself took on a new value, and I finally felt like I was able to move forward for the first time in a very, very long time. 
those thoughts and memories are still part of me. I need to accept that. But they're not part of my reality anymore. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you. Truly leaves you better than it found you. And if you're at the end of this episode, I appreciate you staying until the end. Like I said in the beginning, I was going to make this multiple episodes, but in addition to all the cognitive work I've been doing, I just realized it was time to let go and move on. While still adding some closure to the story, so... That's what I wound up doing. Plus, I'm just ready to start talking about stuff I'm excited to talk about again. Let's be honest, thats I feel like that's where my better work is anyway. So, thank you as always. And until next time, here's to finding your way. <laughs>